Welcome, everybody, to our inaugural year in review episode here at ESPN Daily. My name is Clinton Yates. Joining us, of course, are Emily Kaplan and Izzy Gutierrez. They will be the contestants in our quiz show experiment that we're going to try to pull off here. We're going to copy our teammates' homework. If you want to head over to ESPN.com, you can take a quiz that asks questions about the most popular trends in sports each month. I'm Clinton Yates, kiddos. It's Friday, December 22nd. This is ESPN Daily. Ladies and gents, are we ready? No. Almost ready. I do want to hire you full-time, however, to just say my last name whenever necessary because (laughs) the way you say it is just excellent. Thank you. Emily. Yeah, no, I guess I'm ready. I'm not ready to say goodbye to this year, though. I feel like this one kind of flew, but uh, I'm excited to see what the Google Trends and ESPN and Clinton Yates crew have all combined for us, so I'm ready. All right, here are the rules. We're going to go back and forth, alternating between contestants. If you get a wrong answer, the other contestant has an opportunity to steal, and afterwards, we'll have a little discussion about each question. Let's do this. January, the Australian Open. Izzy, this question is for you. Novak Djokovic tied Rafael Nadal for most Grand Slam titles when he won his 22nd at the Aussie Open. By the end of 2023, Joker had also won A, Wimbledon and the French Open, B, the French Open and the U.S. Open, C, the U.S. Open and Wimbledon, or D, all three. Mr. Gutierrez, your answer. Whew. I thought you were going to ask me about Savalenka because I'm really in on She's a Miami resident, so I know a lot about her. But you went with Djokovic, and I'm going to have to go the French and the U.S. Open because I don't think he won Wimbledon this year. Ding, ding, ding. Got that yes. right. Izzy out of the gate with a banger. 2023 was also an exciting year in tennis for not just who won, but for what we looked at as the future of the sport. You might recall Coco Goff came out as the next great American woman, got to the U.S. Open Championship, 16-match winning streak. Your boy, Carlos Alcaraz, is he? He's poised to inherit the crown from Novak Djokovic, big biceps human being. And, of course, Francis Tiafo, big foe, Ben Shelton, and Chris Eubanks out of Georgia Tech. The tennis world was fun this year, guys. I was trying to figure out why he was my boy, and then you <laughs> went with the big biceps, and I'll just take that as a compliment. It is funny with tennis. It's like we've been waiting for this turnover to finally happen and we're kind of seeing it. And I thought initially it would be more like, "Ah, it's kind of sad. We don't really want to see these, you know, these folks and their careers. But it's exciting because Alcaraz looks like he could be, you know, potentially greater, which sounds insane to think about. And on the women's side, I just think I like seeing what the Williams sisters have done to inspire some of these, especially American women. But it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a good year for tennis. It has. And I knew he didn't win Wimbledon. I, I had this answer correct. I really wish I would have been the tennis expert here. But uh, because Alcaraz did win that epic batch against Djokovic and he wasn't in the Australian Open and that kind of cleared the path. But Djokovic just did such a fascinating 60 Minutes interview with John Wertheim, my old colleague at Sports Illustrated, and there's so many elements to it. You know, he talked a lot about mental focus. He even interrupted John Wertham at one point. He's like, it's not a gift. It's something that comes with work. And he talked about how, you know, there's no physical contact in tennis, but there is eye contact and the way that he tries to take his opponents out of the game. But he also talked about the pressure and stress he gets from the crowds, especially who have been against him for so long, who are pro-Nadal, pro-Federer, and hated Djokovic because he's the heel in tennis. And in this Australian Open, remember, he came back from that ban after not taking the COVID shot. There was definitely some irritation and feistiness for the fans and that mental strike that he worked so hard on, I felt like came through in the end. All right. 
One, zero, Izzy over Emily. Stop the count. <laughs> Let us move along to February. This question is for you, Emily Kaplan. The Super Bowl. The Chiefs' 38-35 win over the Eagles in Super Bowl 57 made history by featuring the first A, brothers to play against each other, B, matchup of black starting QBs, or C, black female assistant coach, or of course, D, all of the above. Ms. Kaplan. Mm, um, I'm going to go with all of the above on this one, and thank God this year came before Taylor Swift because I feel like she would have somehow had been corporate into the answer, but... uh. I believe those first three items are all true. That is correct. Emily Kaplan has tied the score. By the way, do you think we've seen the end of the Chiefs' dominance? I mean, you know, Jalen Hurts had one of the best performances in the Super Bowl ever, by the way, and they still lost. It was an interesting game, and it proved to be very, uh, how should we say, looking forward to what this season is and what the next five years in the NFL will become. I'll say this much, Clinton. The invincibility cloak or whatever you want to call it that Patrick Mahomes has been wearing, that one that said, you know, hey, he's going to win five or six of these things. I don't know so much. Like, it feels like it's confirmation that it's not just a quarterback's league, that you need so much around you to win at the high level where arguably the greatest quarterback we've ever seen this guy is now struggling because he doesn't have Tyreek Hill. This guy's struggling because he doesn't have all the weapons because maybe they take away Travis Kelsey. Defenses do a little bit better. Yeah, that to me tells me that this whole, hey, you need the greatest quarterback of all time to win. Nah, you need a whole collection of players to win. Just ask the 49ers. See, I slightly disagree with you, Izzy, here, because just as you were talking about like the passing of the torch in tennis from the old guard to the new, that's what we've seen over the last two, three years in football, right? Like for so long, it was Brady, Manning, Breeze, Roethlisberger, maybe throw Matt Ryan in there. And now it's this new wave of quarterbacks. And as Clinton pointed out in the question, they're much more diverse than where they come from. Um, it does feel like a quarterback-driven league. And it does feel like even in this next generation of quarterbacks, even though there's so many excellent ones, I feel like Patrick Mahomes just rises above the best because no matter what the situation, he, he always finds a way. Scores tied at one, moving on to March, the month of my birth, Women's March Madness. Izzy, this question is for you. LSU set a new standard in its 102-85 win over Iowa for the NCAA women's basketball title by becoming the first champion to A, block 15 or more shots, B, win 40 or more games, C, score 100 or more points, or D, all the above. Oh, man, you got me with this one. <laughs> this is a complete guess, but I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go all the above. Oh, dagger. Yep. So close. Oh. I'm not going to reveal the answer because Emily Kaplan has a chance to steal. Emily, do you have an answer? Yeah, there's been plenty of dominant teams in the past. So I don't think it's the 40 games one. I'm going to go. I remember this just being a super high scoring affair. Score 100 or more points. That's my final answer. C. Bam! Got the steal. Woo! Emily Kaplan goes up one with her own question. Two to one. The stars in women's college basketball, they seized the day. ESPN set records for viewership in that women's final four. And man, the excitement and energy around the women's game is at an all-time high as far as I'm concerned. Ten times more interesting than the men's side, Izzy. Are there extra points for stealing or no? Because I feel like I <laughs> gift wrapped that one. Um, and I knew that the 40 win thing was not something that LSU did. And I still went with all of the above. So you're <laughs> welcome, Emily. 
Thank you so much, Izzy. I find this to be a charitable case of uh, let Emily go second. But um, yeah, no, Clinton, you mentioned it. Like, I think college women's basketball is in such an entertaining space because of the narratives. I'm using all the words that all of us are banned from using on Around the Horn because Tony wouldn't let him use us. Um, But the elite players like Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark just put on a show in that final. And I'll always remember it for Angel Reese doing that John Cena taunt to Caitlin Clark and everyone getting all up in arms and then reminding that Caitlin Clark did that earlier in the tournament. And just that juice and that narrative around this game. And of course, like you said, those big elite superstars showing out, uh, they scored 100 points or more. I just want you to know that Kevin Clark also takes the opportunity to use band words from around the horn (laughs) on this show quite a bit and revels in it. All right. So the score is now Emily 2, Izzy 1, with Emily's question coming up next. April, the Masters. Hello, friends. (laughs) In the first Masters tournament since the launch of the Live Golf Series, which golfer blew a four-shot Sunday lead to let then-PGA Tour golfer John Rahm steal the green jacket? Was it A, Brooks Kepka, B, Phil Mickelson, C, Bryson DeChambeau, or D, Bubba Watson. Emily. Mm, as the only contestant who picked up golf as a hobby in the year of 2023. Um, side note, no one told me just like it's walking around in nature, having a few drinks and being mildly athletic. What a great hobby. Um, I do remember this as like a big live versus the guys who didn't go to live showdown. There's a lot of tension. And I also remember the Masters for the year that Brooks Kepka choked. So the answer is Brooks Kepka. Bang! Emily is on a roll, Israel. What you gonna do when the Kaplan comes for you? I'm gonna sit here and take it. Uh, what I'm not gonna do anymore this year is just sit here and watch a lot of golf because a lot of my favorite golfers have gone to the Live Tour, and I'm still gonna sort of hold my ground on that one. But um, yeah, that Masters one was kind of symbolic. But then John Rahm kind of ruined it by going to Live. Yeah, maybe the last time we felt good about John Rahm. But Izzy, you don't have to watch golf. You just come play golf with me on the golf course. Let's actually be social and do it in the real life. I was just going to say, I picked up a little golf here. I went to an MLB charity tournament down here in uh, Newport Beach. And I hit some balls. And I said, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to be walking courses and carrying bags. That's out of the question. But Top Golf might be getting a lot more of my money in 2024. The score is now Emily 3, Israel 1. But before we go to break, Emily, what's your story of the year? As you guys know, hockey is my space. So the Vegas Golden Knights winning a Stanley Cup in just their fifth year of existence is my story of the year. They recalibrated expectations for what it means to be an expansion team. We know how hard it is to win in hockey. Canada's Stanley Cup drought as a country is since 1993. The long-suffering Leafs are obviously longer than that. But Vegas's owner, Bill Foley, came in with a prophecy that we're going to make the playoffs in three years and win it in five and then morphing into the biggest villains in the league, going after every big free agent, every big trade available. And in the end, they merged as one of the most complete teams in the NHL. Also, just what they did for the community. They started right when there was an absolute tragedy and a mass shooting and the way they rallied around. And they showed that Vegas isn't just a place for tourists. There's real people who live there, real people who care. Um, it was fascinating to me. So the Golden Knights coming home with the trophy was one of my biggest stories of the year. Tony. Who'd they beat in that Stanley Cup final, by the way, Izzy? I I forgot. Uh, We don't talk about that. Oh! That would be the Florida Panthers. Izzy made a small appearance at the Stanley Cup final. I did. I did. I sat next to Emily and then three seats away from Marc Messier. Sure did. I heard that Tony drop, by the way, Emily. That was a good call. I'm not being Tony. I'm being Clinton. But you would have gotten many points for that. I'm expecting future mutes. Coming up. (laughs) More year in review after the break. 
delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Welcome back to the inaugural ESPN Daily Year in Review show. We are doing this in quiz format with our friends Emily Kaplan and Izzy Gutierrez. Right now, Emily is in the lead 3-1 to one over Iz. And guess what? It's your question as we move on to May in the Women's College World Series, Emily. Oklahoma's softball team won its third consecutive national title, finishing 61-1 and extending the longest winning streak in Division I history. How many straight games did the Sooners win? A, 53, B, 62, C, 41, or D, 39, Ms. Kaplan? Okay, this one's really tough because I'm pretty sure that like four out of the five winning streaks all time in college women's softball uh, do belong to the Sooners, but their current iteration, I want to say it's in the 50s. We'll say 53. Ding, ding, ding. Got that one right. Emily Kaplan is on a roll. I will do something that if you don't cheat, Izzy, I will give you a point as well. Do you know who beat Oklahoma? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Keep the points, Emily. I don't either. I was planning on looking it up, but I didn't have the time. Patty Grasso and Oklahoma, they might just be the most dominant team in NCAA athletics these days. That victory gave them the first three-peat in the sport since UCLA did it back in 1990. All right. The score is getting a little out of reach here. Emily, four. Izzy, one. However... This is where we double the points, correct? We're we're moving into your wheelhouse, so you do have a shot on this one. In June, Lionel Messi, he went to Miami. His $12 million base salary with Inter Miami makes him the highest paid MLS player ever. But how much of a pay cut did Leo take compared with his 2022 deal at Paris Saint-Germain? A, 24 million, B, 38 million, C, 44 million, or D, 56 million? Izzy. Oh, man. It's a lot of million. That's my hand. It's a lot of millions. It's probably how much his house costs. He lives right around the corner from me, humble brag. (laughs) Not so humble. Um, Man, Leo Messi, my guy. Look, I know what... I thought you were going to say how much he might have turned down from another league, and that mm. one I had in the back pocket. But I'm just going to go with the biggest number you offered and say D. Smart move, Israel Gutierrez. <laughs> 56 million is the answer. This is how I passed all my tests in high school and college, by the way. <laughs> Process of elimination. Excellent work there. His presence, obviously, not just in MLS was a big deal. But as he tell me something about what it was like having him in your town. It's, it's been amazing, to be honest. And I don't think you really get sort of the understanding of it all until 
he's around. And then I think you're sort of forced to enhance your knowledge of him. And you realize, man, just worldwide, how much of an absolute hero he is to people. I mean, there are people who travel all over the world to watch his matches. There are people who would do anything just to be in the same room with him. There was this time where, who's the greatest player at the time or of all time? Is it Leo Messi? Is it Ronaldo? And you think of, you know, the stories that you hear about with Ronaldo and some of the negative stuff that's happened with him. And you think of Leo Messi and it's just very nice guy, family guy, you know, seems to be humble, seems to want his own private time. And and he's just, I don't know, you're starting to learn a, a, almost a perfect superstar. There's no such thing, but something like that. And so I think, you know, having him around has just been such an enlightenment. Uh, and the fact that it just happens to be around here in my hometown, it's kind of like a pinch me situation. You know, you talk about just a regular guy, a guy that doesn't mind going to Publix and taking a bunch of photos with anyone who asks. <laughs> It's so fascinating to see how one person, one athlete can be as dominant and as beloved as he is that didn't just make a single team a global brand. He made an entire league a global brand. I mean, they've talked so much about the social media numbers, but Inter-Miami has like roughly five times the Instagram followers now as the New York Yankees. Yeah, I think that's both staggering and also indicative of where we're at with these sports. And soccer is just becoming more and more popular in our country. And it's a true threat to merge into the big four. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're at any of these games with some of these atmospheres, it's incredible. And to sort of legitimize MLS, if you will, you've got, you know, the, the guy who just won the World Cup and won the, you know, Player of the Year award for the eighth time. And he's competing in the MLS and telling you it's it's legit. And uh, I think it's great for the league. I think it's great for those pink jerseys that I love are super popular around the country, around the world. So actually. swaggy, so swaggy. Yeah, and he didn't just come along as a content creator to sort of just make money from a social standpoint. The soccer was fun. They were coming so back good. left and right, winning tournament games that people didn't even realize weren't actual MLS matches because they were just so excited to see Messi play foot and do well. Fantastic, fantastic summer if you're a fan of Miami soccer. Okay. Score, Emily, four, Izzy, two, within reach. Here we go. July, Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Ha ha. No. Gus Johnson, shout out. Okay, <laughs> here's the question. Joey Chestnut won his 16th Nathan's hot dog eating contest by downing 62 dogs. Gross. The same winning total as when he last lost his competition to A. Eric Badlands Booker in 2011. B. Takeru Kobayashi in 2006. C. Matt Stoney in 2015. Or D. Jeffrey Esper in 2018. This is the one. This is. I thought I had a favorable draw, and I said, just don't land me on hot dogs. Because, like, look, I love a hot dog. I live in Chicago. I know the golden rolls. The bun should be steamed. You got to put the onions. They got to have mustard. That should be really bright yellow, and you can't put ketchup with it. But I don't watch this event regularly. And so uh, I'm going to go with the only name I know, Kobayashi. Bat Izzy opening no. for the steal no. here. It's opening funny. for the steal. I knew this one. Um, and it's, I didn't, if you would have told me guess it without, with first name, full name, I wouldn't have guessed it. Right. But I remember the last name because I remember how somebody may have gotten into a uh, potential, uh, food competition world, right? And his last name <laughs> I see where you're going was with Stoney. This. His last name <laughs> okay. was Stoney, and you can just go from there on where my uh, thinking was. But what was the first name? Matt? Matt, Matt. Stoney. That's the name. Izzy with the steal. Back in yeah. contention. 
Scores four to three. I love a good hot dog, by the way. Shame for my city. A lot of people don't like hot dogs. I love a good hot dog. Couple things. How bad is it that baseball gets outsearched by hot dogs in the same month as the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby? That's mm. another question. That's got to hurt for Let you. Let me ask you guys. Have you guys ever been on Coney Island during this festival? Because if you have, you will remember one particular thing about it. Yes or no to each of you? Have not. No. Let me tell you what the most overwhelming part of all of this is. It is the smell. The reversals mm. of fortune are quite numerous, if you know what I'm getting at. And it is the most horrendous stench I've ever smelt in an outdoor, like, joyous situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, nothing otherwise was wrong. It was so Thank nasty. Thank you for that. I'm somebody who hates wet bread. Like, <laughs> yes. it grosses me out, the idea. But that just who one-upped it wet right bread? there. I don't know. Oh. Like, I don't know. People I, who eat subs that have been sitting in the fridge for half an hour. Oh. Pigeons? Anyway. Sure. Totally gross. But Izzy, back in contention, one point down. And it's your question as we move to August. The All return right. of Simone Biles. After nearly a two-year hiatus from gymnastic competition, Simone Biles won her eighth national title. That triumph set the stage for the 2023 World Championships, where she would A, win four gold medals and one silver, B, win her record 37th World or Olympic medal, C, share a record 7th straight team gold, or D, all the above, Israel. I think she did all of those. I know she did at least two of those, so it's got to be the answer is all of the above. <laughs> D, Izzy ties it up. Big comeback. Uh-oh. We also wonder what's to come from Biles, you know, in the women's national team in Paris this summer. Simone coming back after a case of the... Spinsies, I believe it's called, where, you know, you sort of lose your ability to really invert your head. And it's a really tricky thing for a lot of gymnasts to be able to handle. But to see her come back with such a plum was really one of the one of the greater American stories I think we've seen this year, Izzy. She is sort of the latest athlete in the, wow, I didn't think you can do this at this age. Because mm -hmm. for me, it started back when tennis players started playing past 30. And it was like, wow, that's, that's insane. Look what's happening here. This is such a great uh, sort of evolution of the sport. And then I feel like it started happening in other sports. And then you mentioned you get to LeBron James and Tom Brady. And then you realize, whoa, Simone Biles is, might be breaking a, another wall because I just remember at, you know, early on, when you get to your early 20s, it's, it's pretty much the end of your gymnastics career for these young women. And here she is at 26 and still on top of the world and overcame something that I think well, a lot of us didn't even understand. And here she is. I think it's, you know, it's a huge story. And she should forever be remembered as one of the greatest breakthrough, you know, all-time athletes. Is you're so right. Like, we are recalibrating as we speak the expectations for athletes and how long they can compete. And I'll say it. I think Simone Biles is probably the greatest gymnast ever to compete. Hmm. And we thought we might never see her again. And the fact that we are seeing her now back at that elite level, back competing in Paris is incredible. And just gymnastics as a sport, as you alluded to it. I mean, it's a sport about control and silence and conformity. And she's an athlete that's really bucked the trend. She's been an advocate, as you've mentioned, for an unspeakable uh, scandal and, and tragedy that's gone on in the sport. But she's also expressed, um, you know, thoughts on mental health. She has interests outside the sport. She's a loving girlfriend and wife. She's fun. She's got interests. And, and the fact that she's able to show those all publicly and be so dominant and, and smile so loudly on the, on the mat, um, it's just, she's a joy to watch. The term I was looking for was twisties. Mm. Mm. Minus five for you. I know, right? Izzy, you've tied it up. We're going to the next portion of the quiz. But first, what's your story of the year, sir? 
Well, it's funny. I just mentioned him, and it sort of works well with the Simone Biles story, but it's LeBron James breaking the all-time scoring record in February. I mean, I grew up in an NBA era where it was just like, hey, if Michael Jordan couldn't do it, it could not be done. If he couldn't come close to doing it, it could not be done. And I know Karl Malone ended up second uh, behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar all that time. Now he's third. But it felt like an untouchable record. I remember covering the league just 10 years ago and us doing the math and saying, yeah, he'd have to be averaging this much for this long. And he, and here we are in his 21st year in the league, and he is still averaging a number that's incredible. And he's going to set this. And I know this sounds crazy because I, I just said I didn't think the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar one wouldn't be broken. This record won't be broken, man. I just don't think there's... Because he's not going to be done next year. He won't be done the year after that. He's probably got at least three years left in him. 40,000 plus points. And when you think about the level you have to play at for how long you have to play it, I know I'm not going to see this record broken before I go. Not to get morbid. Coming up, we wrap up the year in review quiz after the break. All tied up. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from $25 and under to, say, $100 and below. You can also sort by category, like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So, what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Final round, year in review show, ESPN Daily, Izzy Gutierrez, Emily Kaplan. I'm your host, Clinton Yates. The score is tied as we move to September and my man, Coach Prime. Colorado and new coach Deion Sanders started 3-0 to steal the early college football spotlight. Which of these celebs did not take a star turn in Boulder to support Coach Prime? A, Lil Wayne. B, The Rock. C, Alex, the producer of this show, trying to be funny, Clinton Yates, or D, <laughs> TJ Catlin. Okay, okay, let's go through the process of elimination here. I know Wheezy was there. I remember that. Um, 
pretty sure I saw The Rock. I know he's ubiquitous, but I feel like I can associate him at a Colorado game. I'm going to guess Clinton Yates also was there. I do remember seeing some Instagram and social media coverage of one Clinton Yates uh, in Boulder. So let's go with who was DJ Khaled. I haven't seen DJ Khaled lately. I don't know what he's doing. He wasn't there. Another one for Emily Kaplan. She is up five to four. You got a little lucky there because putting me in there meant that whoever that third person could have been was obviously going to be a question. But I did go there three times this season. I was kind of on the Boulder beat, if you will. And it was an energy unlike anything I've seen at a college football environment in a really long time. Not just because of the potential for the football team on the field, but to see a town like Boulder, Colorado, of all places, get up for these games and stay there. Izzy, what did you think about this sort of viability of the Deion Sanders experiment in Colorado? It's crazy looking back at it, how important the beginning was. Because if he loses the game to TCU, if he loses, what, to Colorado State and doesn't get to sort of talk his talk, then what do we have exactly but of probably a failed experiment? But we're talking about Colorado football right now. And I know it's through the lens of their head coach, the superstar head coach, but we're still talking about Buffalo's football. And you mentioned Boulder, Colorado. So that's that in itself is a success. Yeah, I remember being on Around the Horn the day after he was named Sportsman of the Year by Sports Illustrated. And I and every other panelist that was on that day was pretty skeptical, saying, okay, like this is a coach that went four and eight. At the same time, it was as much about what he did on the field and reviving this program as what he meant off of it in a cultural standpoint. I mean, you mentioned the celebrities that were all there supporting them. I remember the one stat that stuck out to me in that Sports Illustrated article. Applications amongst Black or African-American students were up 80%, 80% this year at Colorado. And just what he stood for, the way that he made Colorado football cool, the way that he was connecting with different parts of Black and more diverse culture than we've seen in the past. Um, he stood for something really important. And I'm excited to see where he takes it. I still contend that they are Black America's college football team, or as the shirts say, we coming. Here we go. <laughs> the score now is Emily 5, Israel 4. Izzy, we move to October where the Texas Rangers became World Series champs. After finishing under 500 on the road during the regular season, the Texas Rangers set a record winning the most road games during a postseason in MLB history. How many games did they win? A, 9, B, 10, C, 11, or D, 12? Is uh, I thought you were going to go D, all of the above. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember this number. Um, I think I've got it right. If I've got it wrong, it's only because I'm thinking of it going into the clinching game. But I believe that number is 11. That is correct, sir. Yes. 11 wins they got. Emily, I'm not going to give you a point for this because it's a little too easy. We're tied up now. Do you know how many they lost on the road during this postseason, Emily? Is that easy? I'm glad I'm not getting points yeah, for this. Zero. Oh, oh, yeah, zero. Oh, that could be a double point. <laughs> We will no. see if the judges want that. You can't rewrite the rules <laughs> after I express trepidation. Fair enough. We'll sleep. We'll leave it at one. We are tied. It is five yes. to five. This is an excellent development. And we move on to November. And of course, what we know as the IST, the in-season tournament and the NBA Cup. The inaugural NBA in-season tournament brought high stakes to the championship game in Vegas. Emily, your favorite city in the NHL. Joking, what was the reward for the winning team? Was it A, home court advantage throughout the playoffs? B, 500K per player? C, 
a 500K line of credit at the Riviera Hotel and Casino, or D, a 500K per player and home court advantage throughout the playoffs. Yeah, the only thing that a C option was missing was a Clinton Yates reference. Um, <laughs> I know this tournament was awesome. I think it uh, was a complete, total success. And I think we're going to see uh, models copied in other sports. And with the players walked away with, uh, and your boy, uh, LeBron James, got that much-needed 500K into his bank account because that man has not made enough money in his career. So uh, 500K is my final answer. That is correct. And let me ask y'all, do you think, this worked for whatever it was trying to do. I did. I think it worked. I mean, look, the, the main thing that you had going for it was, and you mentioned the name, LeBron James stamped this thing from the beginning. He said after uh, a win in Phoenix, hey, it was our first in-season tournament win. He told his guys, I got you. I'm going to win that 500K for you. He acted as if he wanted to win it and he won it. And I think when you sort of set the tone there, um, I think that's a great start and other people will follow. But then, you know, you've also got somebody like Tyrese Halliburton who'll say, I don't want to be a loser anymore, you know, after losing to Miami. And then immediately afterward had something he could have won. Now, he's still a loser, I guess, because he lost it. But it's something that I think gives teams something to sort of look forward to, to set the tone of, hey, our team's headed in the right direction this year. Here's the proof. Here's a trophy. The only thing I would have wished is that it stretched out a little longer because I felt like it was such good filler content for, you know, we get opening night and all the excitement and then sometimes we just got to get through the winter, get to all-star break and we start having the playoff races. They created so many games within playoff intensity that were fun to watch in November. And I think for that reason alone, it is a huge success. Um, It gave stakes, like you mentioned, to players who might not get the opportunity elsewhere. Fly the banner, Clinton. Oh, no, not the banner, banner, Clinton. Not the banner. (laughs) What they should do is very simple. If the Los Angeles Lakers have anybody listening, here's what you do. You ditch the banner, you take the trophy, you put the trophy in a big case in the front of Crypto Center, Mm -hmm. and you let people look at it that way. That's how you you, do it. You do not mess with the rarefied air of the rafters of Crypto.com Arena. You make the banner slightly smaller. You make it black and purple with yellow letters. Distinguish it entirely from the rest of them. I like it. it. Different color, different material, just like the quartz. I still think that the trophy itself, the literal NBA cup, deserves a display area for people to see as it is a different one from the Larry O'Brien trophy. Also, you can do both. Here's what I would do. I would start the season with this tournament. Mm, First game of the year. I I don't hate that, Clinton. I do not hate that. All right. The score is now Emily six, Izzy five. It is Izzy's question as we move to December and college football. LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels became the fifth transfer quarterback to win the Heisman Trophy since 2017. Which of the other 2023 Heisman frontrunners also had switched schools? Oregon QB, Bo Nix. Washington QB, Michael Penix. Ohio State wide receiver, Marvin Harrison. Maserati Mob. Or <laughs> D, the QBs. Two Gus shoutouts in one show. I know, I'm sorry. I'm on uh, a Gus King. Well, you're sorry. I'm sorry, Emily, that this is such an easy question, but it's Bo Nix. He's been around for as long as I've watched college football. That's not correct. What? <laughs> Michael Penix transferred from Indiana. Whoa, wait, I'm sorry. I didn't get the chance to steal. Come oh, on, Big about Ten, that. Big my Ten. Bad. Give me my I'll shout give it out. To give her. me my shout I'll, out. I'll give it to her. I know she knew that. I'll give it. Yes, you didn't know that, Izzy? Wait, I did know. See, I, you don't right. follow Indiana football? No, I do. I know. See, now that you mentioned, I know that he transferred, but I'm just like, does that mean it's all of them? 
That means it's the QBs. That was answer D, sir. Yeah. You must have got distracted. Oh, I stopped listening. You must have got distracted with my Maserati Son Mar. Son of a gun. Oh, well. Sorry. Wow. The point is, what do you think the Heisman even means today, gang, for college football in general, besides being a guest or a star in those new Heisman House commercials, which I love? Well, since I already ruined the question, I'll jump in here and ruin the Heisman for Jaden. I didn't think he deserved it, frankly. <laughs> I thought Michael Penix should have won it. But I, then I looked back and I looked at November, just November, and that's when he won it. I think sometimes I feel like the Heisman's lost a little bit of its luster. Um, I don't know if it's a fair assessment of the best player in college sports if you're basically eliminating, you know, a bunch of positions that are never really going to win it. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I can't remember probably since maybe Tim Tebow, the last time that I thought about a Heisman ceremony and was excited about watching it. So I feel like it's lost a little bit from that respect. Mm. I, I feel like the way this question was phrased was so appropriate because the transfer portal has become so significant in how we view college football today. It's probably one of the more predominant storylines of the sport, um, as well as conference realignment. I'm glad we didn't get into that. But what does it mean today? It just means that you're the best quarterback, that you put up the best video game numbers. And that's exactly what Daniels did. I agree. I don't think he was the rightful winner. I, in my opinion, it was Marvin Harrison Jr. because I didn't see an athlete at his position as dominant as Harrison was all year. And that comes from a Penn State supporter giving compliments and flowers to Ohio State wide receivers. So um, in my opinion, that's what the Heisman's become. But it's still an honor. You're still in that rarefied air and you still get to go and appear in all those Heisman House commercials and hopefully get um, some money down the road as well. Clinton, I just stopped listening. <laughs> Bo Nix seemed like such an obvious answer that it made me forget that Michael Penix had transferred from Indiana. So sad. No, it's okay. It could be worse. You could have missed the uh, obvious answer of you went undefeated on the road. How many did you lose? <laughs> There's that too. Stop the fight. We have a winner. Emily Kaplan wins 6-5, to five, even though I stole an opportunity for her to get to the seventh point. And it's all done, but the screaming in this case is not over. We're going to have Andres Soto, our PA here at ESPN Daily. He's going to ask you guys the final question. He's an L.A. native and a Dodgers fan, so he's got one about Otani's latest haul. Okay. Bonus question. Shohei Otani's free agency was the biggest story in baseball this season, signing a historic 10-year, $700 million contract with the Dodgers. He did end up taking a deferment. So how much will his actual salary be throughout the deal? A, $10 million a year. B, $7 million a year. C, $2 million a year. Or D, $15 million a year. I'm going to give it to you as I did. It's obvious. <laughs> it's $2 million. <laughs> I feel so much better about myself now. Correct. It was $2 million. Andres, what do you think about that deal in terms of being a Dodgers fan? Uh, I love it. I The Dodgers kind of weren't that active last year in free agency, and the rumor was they were saving for Otani next year. And I had seen, you know, um, a lot of reporting that even from our, our friend Jeff Passan that he was going to sign 500, maybe 600 million. And 700, I think, shattered even the most generous expectations. <laughs> A funny story, I was actually in the gym that Saturday morning when he signed. And I, in between sets, I uh, looked at my phone and I said, oh, shit, and jumped really loud. <laughs> my cousin had to ask if I was okay. <laughs> Huge flex. Andres works out. Thank you, Andres. Appreciate it, brother. No problem. That's it. We have a winner. 
Emily Kaplan. Thank you very much for playing. Izzy Gutierrez, thank you very much for joining us in our year in review 2023 ESPN Daily Quiz Show. He's Izzy Gutierrez. She's Emily Kaplan. I'm Clinton Yates. This is ESPN Daily. We're going to take a break for the holidays at ESPN Daily, but want to wish you and yours a very happy holiday season and a very happy new year. Tune in starting Tuesday for some of our favorite episodes of the year. And we'll be back Wednesday, January 3rd with a new episode. A very special shout out to Andres Soto, our longtime production assistant here at ESPN Daily. This is the last show he's working on. So a big thank you for everything you've done for us and best of luck in the new year and beyond. Our show is produced by Bruce Baldwin, Ashley Brown, Bradford Craig, Andrew Hahn, Alexander Hyacinth, Ryan Nantel, Mike Philbrick. Happy belated birthday, by the way, Brick. And Phoebe Untermann. We had additional help this week from Lindsay Armacost. We also had production assistance this year from Max Brodsky, Deontay Epps, Michael Johns, Jason Costura, Garrett Lang, Kendall Majette, Chris Tuminello, Aaron Vale. And special thanks to Mike Foss, Heather Lombardo, Andy Tennant, Matt Ufford, and Jackson Agello. See you next year, kiddos.